you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. My name's Colin Kelly. It's my pleasure to bring you the show uh, each and every week here. And today, I'm really uh, excited to be joined uh, with our guest, who I'm going to introduce in just a moment's time, but uh, also... I guess I have to introduce my co-host as well. His name is Doug Moore, as uh, all our listeners will well and truly know at this point. Doug, how have you been since last week? I swear to God, you better, you got to cut the crap here. Uh, no, I, I'm I'm good. Um, no, it's 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 been a good week. Um, you know, obviously we're one week closer to uh, to football, and now it's everybody has played at least one game, so it's it's uh, it's really happening. So it's it's. You know, it's getting to that, that anticipation time. Yeah, it's uh, obviously we're really starting to get into training camp now, and unfortunately with that there's uh, lots of injuries, but that means we have lots of news to talk about on today's show, and to do that with us is going to be Mike Renner of Pro Football Focus. He's one of the senior analysts over there, part of the team as well for the Pro Football Focus podcast. Uh, we mentioned last week on the show, Mike, uh, we were meant to have you last week, but then some other your podcast and GDs got in the way, but uh, we're delighted to have you here today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Sorry again about last week. Uh... So sometimes I I know and uh, you mentioned it was a, a technical thing. Uh, sometimes just uh, you record a file and you go to look to see where it is uh, on the system, and it's uh, it's just no longer there. Yeah, we don't have a great setup for doing our podcast yet here at PFF. We're working on it, but uh, yeah, we don't really. It, it's kind of just played by ear how we uh, do our uh, podcasts. Yeah, the the content the content's always uh, fantastic though. So I guess we'll we'll let you away with that this time. Uh, obviously, we're we're starting off the show, and uh, I mentioned the topics. There's going to be a lot of talk uh, about different injuries today, and obviously the last week, uh, particularly we mentioned last week on our show that there was a lot of news last week, but there's a lot of news this week too. We're going to be talking about Zeke, we're going to be talking about Sammy Watkins, Jordan Matthews, and then as I mentioned, those injuries, and then a couple other topics sprinkled in too. So I'm excited to uh, to talk through those. As always, I want to thank everyone uh, for coming and listening to the show. Um, whether you're a first-time listener or a long-time listener, I appreciate each and every person who comes and uh, listens to OTI on a weekly basis. And, of course, if it is your first time listening to the show, please do hit that subscribe button on iTunes or Stitcher, whatever you're listening to it on, really does help us here at Overtime Ireland. And, of course, please leave us a, a written and a comment on your preferred app of, uh, for listening to podcasts. Also this week, uh, you know, I mentioned on the Overtime Ireland website, if you go to our page the recommended page it is a list of our affiliates there's free audible trials on there there's free amazon prime trials on there so go and check them out they kick a little bit back here to oti i also have an amazon uh, banner ad as well so if you're using amazon to do some of your shopping uh, click through the oti banner ad and that uh, helps us out a little bit as well proud to say as well if you've been following the oti twitter feed that's at overtime ireland you'll have seen uh, that we've partnered up with fantasyfootballtshirts.com that website is run by uh, some of the guys over there at the gridironexperts.com team and uh, we're delighted to be uh, using them this year as our f- official merchandise supplier for all, all oti merchandise so if you want to buy any t-shirts uh, any even mugs they're going to have a range coming up shortly of uh, hats and hoodies and so on uh, that is fantasyfootballtshirts.com you can follow them on twitter at my fantasy football tea and we're going to be giving away a, a t-shirt hopefully you'll pick one that's an oti one but uh, you can pick one from the entire range on their uh, website off that store and uh, they are producing the highest quality t-shirts uh, it's themed around fantasy football and uh, it is fantastic as well uh, you know if you're in a league you want to get uh, different coffee coffee cups different t-shirts maybe for the winner or the loser of your league coming up this season uh, it is uh, they have all that covered for you there so that is 
fantasyfootballteachers.com. The competition will be starting on uh, the at Overtime Ireland Twitter feed as of tomorrow, which will be Thursday. So be sure and get involved in that. The winner will be announced on next week's podcast. So make sure to uh, check out the Twitter feed and get involved in the competition to win a free t-shirt. So starting off, we're looking at uh, Ezekiel Elliott and a long time coming, Mike. Uh, obviously, pretty much uh, over 12 months in the making of this decision been made, but we, we waited and waited and waited and a lot of people were talking, you know, the Cowboys, particularly Jerry Jones, thought there might be nothing nothing coming down the pipeline, thought they, it might be just uh, he'd be starting week one, then we have the situation where it ends up in a six-game ban. So uh, if you look at the NFL's uh, policy detriment to uh, domestic violence, that is the clear infraction for the first ban. But uh, were you surprised at how heavily the NFL did come down on this particular occasion on Zeke? And, of course, they have said that they're uh, going to appeal it, but... You know, I think maybe it's a situation where we've seen with Ray Rice in the past, we've seen with a couple other players where the NFL were maybe very lenient to start off with, and uh, then in this situation now, they, they really have uh, the kind of rules in place to clamp down straight away and maybe maybe re-jig re, uh, their uh, decision after that. I think the NFL has you know, pretty much learned their PR lesson in terms of if you come down hard on a guy uh, and you turn out to be wrong, the PR backlash is going to be far less than coming down too easy uh, on a guy and, you know, it coming out the details like the Ray Rice thing, like even the Josh Brown thing. So I think it's just Roger Goodell seeing the fact that he took a lot of flack for those decisions and that he's not going to make that same mistake again. Yeah, and with the the situation, uh, you know, the, with the appeal, we've seen Tom Brady appeal after the Flitgate, and then obviously those four games were pushed to this past season, so a year later. Do you think we'll see a similar situation with the Zeke Elliott here and it being kind of pushed down the road uh, as the appeal goes on, or do you think uh, the NFL is going to deal with this swiftly? There is a, a hearing scheduled for, I believe it's the 28th of August, so they're, they're trying to move quickly, but we see this then sometimes uh, drag out a lot longer. God, I hope it does not drag out like Deflategate. That was Z- the worst Z-Gate. story. <laughs> yeah, that was the worst story to follow. I was so sick. I like unfollowed so many people on Twitter that were tweeting about it daily just because I couldn't take it anymore. Uh, I really hope it doesn't. I, I think it might, though, just because of the facts of the cage, which are blurry at best, and the fact that you know there's been no legal action against uh, Ezekiel Elliott, no, nothing, you know, nothing proven in court, that sort of stuff against him. So... You know, he has sort of a legal in this basis to appeal and take it to its full extent. So I really hope it doesn't. But just the way this is setting up, it looks like it's going to be another drawn out thing. Yeah. And Doug, obviously, we've talked on the podcast before about certain players. We talked about guys like Tyreek Hill, who have Joe Mixon as well, who have had their, you know, off the field, particularly domestic violence issues in the past and how you've tended to not maybe value them on your draft board in fantasy football. This is kind of going to push uh, Zeke, who was going in a top three pick overall in the league, is going to push him down the board. But again, I mentioned the possibility of uh, the suspension being pushed maybe a little bit down the line. But if he is missing those six weeks, uh, how are you valuing Zeke as we as we head into the you know draft season here for fantasy football? It's going to be really tough to you know take him in the first or even second at this point because of like you said he's missing six weeks. He's missing a good portion you know of the season prior to the playoffs. So. Yeah, when he's on the field, when he's healthy, it's going to be probably, you know, he's probably a top two or three back in the NFL in terms of production. But you really have to weigh that decision into, you know, the six games and the fact that if it does get pushed back, you know, if those six games are coming later in the season during the fantasy playoffs, you could just be absolutely screwed. So, uh, yeah, I am definitely lower. You know, I'd drop him far down my board. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't want to be the one to take him, to be honest. 
I, I'm 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 going to point out here that Mike just stole my question. <laughs> you can answer it now, Doug. Don't worry. The guest always gets first priority. It's not very nice. No, I'm only kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but um, no. It's like Mike said. It's going to be tough taking him in the first or second round. Um, because the other thing you have to keep in mind too is if his if his suspension does get pushed, um, and you know it, it's a situation where. You know, maybe it does get pushed. Like with Lane Johnson last year, he appealed it, but he lost the appeal, and he was suspended afterwards, and it let it bled into the end of the season. So that's nothing you have to keep in mind. Is he could appeal it, but then it could be a situation where he loses the appeal and he's suspended later in the season, which is even more costly for fantasy owners. So that's something you have to keep in mind as well. Um, in regards to where I'm going to take him, um, if I do, I'm not touching him before – Probably late third, early fourth. I mean, granted, you know, there's still 10 games if he does serve the full suspension, and it is at the beginning of the season. There is a full 10 games at the end of the season, you know, the, the last 10 games that he could play that could really make a difference. And he is a difference maker. Um, he was one of the best running backs in the league last year. So it, it's tough, but I'm probably not going to take him. Uh, probably most likely if, if I get him after round three, I'd be pretty happy, but I'm not going to touch him before then probably. Then, as well, you have to take into consideration in fantasy football that although if he misses the first six games of the season, he would have 10 regular season games in the NFL, a lot of fantasy seasons are over around week 14 to head into the playoffs, so he's actually going to be playing a lot less. So for me, as Doug mentioned, uh, it'd be around the fourth round, and to be honest, uh, I'd probably be taking him off my draft board just with the, the concerns around it and how all the things, you know, just too many uh, uncertainties at this particular moment in time. Uh, going back to you, Mike, uh, the Cowboys offense this year, obviously we've seen uh, Dak do a lot of nice work last year, but that was a lot of it. You know, he had that run game, that offensive line to help build around. Do you see if uh, with uh, Zeke, just let's pretend it is the first six games of the season, how do you see the, the offense uh, moving around? Do you think uh, we see Dak start to pass the ball a lot more? We've seen it kind of in the last uh, four to five weeks of the season last year, but you know, do you think he's ready to, to have a pass-first offense, or do you think they'll just go with the, the running backs in reserve, like McFadden, uh, Alfred Morris is there as well, and uh, try and just do a committee approach to, to cover what Zeke would regularly do? Yeah, I don't think they're ever going to be a pass-first team. Uh, I think you might see more Dak using his legs as a weapon. They didn't do much of that with him his rookie year. They did a little bit of option stuff, but not a whole lot, I think. That could help them out in terms of getting a stronger running game going because it's going to be a big blow to their running game. Going from Ezekiel Elliott to a guy like Darren McFadden is a very, very big step back. Uh, even when Darren McFadden had that really good offensive line, he still wasn't even close to Zeke's production uh, behind it. And I think that offensive line took a significant step back this offseason. So I think it won't be, they just won't have near the teeth that they did a season ago, this Dallas Cowboys offense, if when Ezekiel Elliott is out because. That elite, you know, beat you any way we can, you know, with elite passing game and elite running game. I think they both just take a little bit of a step back this year, and it's just not quite uh, that that machine that we saw a season ago. Yeah, a lot of people aren't talking about it, but there is a, a couple of changes on the offensive line, so we'll see how it checks out for them. People are just expecting it to be uh, as good as it was uh, last season. We'll see if that happens. And, you know, the, the the actual schedule, I know you can look at the schedule this time of the year, and, it, you know, in 12 months' time, it looks like a, a harder schedule or a softer schedule, but going on last year's record, uh, you know, the Cowboys do have quite a tough schedule coming up uh, in 2017. So I think this team's uh, bound to have a, a regression from what they did last year, uh, 
I believe just off the top, I think it was thirteen and three they finished last year. So I, I think that they're in for it'll be tough for them to hit the ten wins this season. Uh, all things considered, uh, moving on then there was a couple of trades this week. We'll start off with Sammy Watkins. He was traded uh, from the Buffalo Bills to the uh, Los Angeles Rams. He, along with a sixth round pick, went to the Rams for EJ Gaines and a second round pick heading back to Buffalo. Obviously, the the Bills didn't pick up his option. Uh, heading into the season so he would have been a free agent after this year unless they franchise tagged him so I think they've pretty much had given up on the experience with uh, him who they traded up for in that 2014 draft and took him ahead of guys like uh, Mike Evans and uh, Odell Beckham Jr to name a couple and obviously that draft was absolutely stacked at the time and uh, looking at it do you think uh, with him moving now to LA and Jared Goff obviously a quarterback what what do you make of the situation for Sammy? Uh, you know, do you think we'll ever see that full potential that uh, we expected him to have when he, he came out in that draft? Well, I think he's sort of lived up to that potential to some degree. When he's been healthy, yeah, he's been incredibly healthy. productive. It's staying healthy though that is the big thing for him. And yeah, like you said, uh, going to LA not a great situation. Uh, Jared Goff obviously did not perform even close to what. Uh, they expect to have number one pick last season, but he looked pretty good this first week of the preseason. So I think it's a trade that made sense for both sides because if you're a Buffalo, it was writing. It was on the wall. He was gone. He was not going to be there after this season. And if you're someone like the Rams, you're adding a guy who is a number one receiver on a team full of, you know, number two and number three type of guys. So uh, it really made to me a lot of sense for both sides. Yeah, it makes sense, and uh, you know the the Bills needed depth uh, at cornerback. So you know, are the Bills sent in Ronald Darby? Do you think that really affects them this year at cornerback because the the depth just isn't there compared to you know over the last two or three years they had some uh, solid pieces there. Well, I think it, I think it's another trade that actually made sense for both sides. The both the deals that Buffalo made they made them because well, one Watkins wasn't like you say he wasn't going to be there after this year. And then Ronald Darby just was not a schematic fit for what Sean McDermott likes to do defensively. Sean McDermott plays zone and just almost refuses to play man coverage. And that Ronald Darby was just lost in zone at times last year for the Buffalo Bills. He was at his best back in 2015 as a rookie when he was playing a lot of man coverage in that defense. Uh, you know, where his long speed shows, where he doesn't get beat deep down the field. But when he's in zone coverage, he just doesn't have those natural instincts. And so if he was going to have to be playing, you know, some underneath zones, uh, in Sean McDermott's scheme, he just wasn't going to be utilized correctly. And so it, you make that trade. If you're the Bills, you get back a pick to get a guy who can fit into that scheme instead of trying to put a square peg into a round hole. So another trade that made a lot of sense for the Bills, and it makes sense for the <laughs> Eagles as well because they're going to play more man coverage. They have a front four that can get after the quarterback, and Ronald Darby's skills would be utilized there, and they desperately needed a cornerback. So uh, I, I really, as much blowback as the Bills got for trading away two of their best players. I can really see why they did it, and it's actually setting them up better long-term than keeping them would have. Yeah, and uh, I'm just looking here as you started to talk. I looked at, uh, I have the, the two trades listed here beside each other, and I, mix, I started to jumble up the second one. So let's get to that second trade. It was Jordan Matthews. He was uh, dealt by the Eagles heading uh, to the Bills, and it was uh, Ronald Leary went to the Eagles as part of that trade along with a third-round pick. So uh, I, I kind of put the two trades together there as I went to talk <laughs> through them and uh, just few minutes into practice uh, Jordan Matthews uh, did pick up an injury a chip fracture and a sternum so he's week to week with that and you know he had his issues in training camp with knees and he's had tentinitis over the the last kind of season and a half but he's a player that I think he's uh, he's always over or under sorry I think the, there's more potential there he's never going to be 
you know, a real, real uh, star receiver, but I definitely think he's uh, productive in what he does. Is Jordan Matthews somebody, uh, you know, with you and the guys at Pro Football Focus that you look at as uh, somebody who's uh, overlooked? I feel like he's rated about correctly. I don't love his hands. He has had problems with drops over the course of his career. Uh, and the other thing is he's been a basically a slot receiver only. I think he's, over the last three years, had more receiving yards from the slot than any other wide receiver in the NFL. But the thing is, NFL doesn't really value slot production. A lot of that stuff gets sort of schemed. Uh, NFL values that X receiver, the guy on the outside who can win a one-on-one matchup. Jordan Matthews, hasn't. that's not really been his game over the course of his career. So uh, I can see why the Eagles were comfortable in dealing him after, you know, signing Torrey Smith, signing Alshon Jeffrey this offseason. So uh, he's fine at what he does. Like I said, as a slot receiver, he's incredibly productive, but it's just not something that's incredibly highly valued in the NFL today. Yeah, back to you, Doug. I'm going to let you go through the two trades. If there's any uh, parts of it you want to pick out, maybe uh, do you think that uh, Watkins uh, moving down to L.A. might help uh, open up things a little bit in the run game for Gurley, Doug? Yeah, I think this trade definitely benefits more towards Gurley than Watkins himself. I mean, obviously Watkins is going from Tyrod Taylor, who's probably maybe an average, maybe a little bit of above average as a quarterback overall, to Jared Goff, who really struggled in his first year as a rookie. And then he gets another playbook because he gets a new head coach in there, which, again, we've heard some good things about it, but that's all. You know, that's all well and good until you actually see it on the field. So that'll be interesting to see. I, I do think Gurley benefits the most out of this. You know, they, they've added some guys this offseason. They, they added Robert Woods. Cooper Cup gets talked about a lot. Um, they added Gerald Everett as well, who I think could actually be a contributor in year one. Nothing like fantasy-wise, but he can definitely do something. So all these passing options really does help. And they signed Andrew Whitmore as well. Uh, Wentworth, I'm sorry, um, who... You know, is you know, it's coming off a, a terrific career with the Bengals and still played at a high level last year. So I think all the moves that they made is definitely to maybe balance out this offense, but also give an opportunity for Gurley to, to not face as many eight men in the box and, and just you know be bombarded with defenders. So I think it really does uh, help him, especially acquiring a, a, a number one wide receiver when healthy like Sammy Watkins. Um, in regards to uh, you, you know Jordan Matthews, I, I, you know. Mike brings up a great point. Jordan Matthews, they tried, they experimented the Eagles did last offseason, I believe, trying to use him a little bit on the outside, and ultimately they, they decided that that wasn't something that he really did as well as they had hoped. Um, so obviously he was moved back towards the slot. And I think that just, you know, like Mike said, he does what he needs to do in the slot. But again, you know, how much does that account for? And I guess what my concern is with the, with the Bills is that, you know, Zay Jones, I think, based off of what we've seen, was projected to be more of a slot receiver um, with Watkins still there. And then you have Anquan Bolden, who's not really much of a deep threat. He's more of an intermediate guy who plays a little more in line, almost like a move tight end, who's really dangerous in the red zone. So you have a bunch of guys who really nobody really has, I don't think, that big of an identity playing on the outside. So that'll be something to keep in mind. You know, How do they divvy that up? What are their, their lineups going to be, especially with wide receivers and tight ends and stuff like that? Um, I think it's a, it's a boost in a way for Jordan Matthews, assuming he can stay healthy just because he's not dealing with as much of a crowded situation like he seemed to be dealing with in, in the Eagles. Um, and I think he has a better quarterback to work with. Um, but they're still the most run-heavy offense in the league from the last two seasons. So it'll be really interesting to see. And Sean McDermott comes from a very run-heavy offense um, in Carolina. I imagine he'll keep some of the same 
um, sort of tendencies there. So I, I don't know if it's, I think it's a bit of an upgrade. I don't think it's that big of one, but again, Jordan Matthews is sort of that intermediate guy where he's never going to, you know, put up huge numbers, but he's a guy who gets the job done. So in terms of fantasy, he's probably about the same, but then this injury doesn't help his case either. Yeah, and uh, just lo- looking back at that, uh, you know, Mike, uh, Doug mentioned the situation with uh, Bolden there, Zay Jones, and now Jordan Matthews. Uh, obviously, you've charged Clay there as well, tight end. How do you see the offense working? Do you think it's just going to be a lot of kind of dink and dunk offense and mix in LaShawn McCoy and, and, and see how it goes? Well, I think it's going to be fairly uh, similar stylistically in terms of uh, run pass, uh, you know, breakdown than they've been in the past. I think they have to go run heavy. I didn't love uh, that I didn't see a ton of option stuff out of them the very first week, but maybe they'll add uh, first week of the preseason with Tyrod, but maybe they'll add that in uh, as they go. But I, because I, I really do think you need to use Tyrod Taylor's running uh, threat in a, in that offense to make it a more effective offense. But I, I, I think Doug kind of underrated Zay Jones's ability on the outside. I'll say I, I, from what I saw at the senior bowl in those practices, I think he can get the job done. On the outside, I think he becomes their, you know, sort of de facto X receiver in that sense. Now he's good in the slot, too. I think he could win the slot, but I think he has the ability to be uh, that guy. Similar in a way to someone like Antonio Brown, while he doesn't check the, you know, freakish athletic boxes, can get it done on the outside as well. So uh, that's where I think I think Matthews uh, probably stays in the slot, say Jones outside, uh, and Bolden goes from outside to inside in the slot as well, depending on, you know, the formation. So, uh I do think, though, that the offense probably takes a step back from where it was a season ago just because of, uh, I, I thought, just they schemed perfectly for what they had talent-wise. Uh, and just losing you know, someone like Sammy Watkins, you can't really replace that. So I, I do think that the offense probably uh, is a little worse off than it was a season ago. It was a fairly efficient offense. I mean, they led the league in rushing last year, so uh, it's hard, not, hard to do that two years in a row. Yeah, it's funny, you know, the, the closer you get to the season, sometimes you'd think uh, we'll, we'll be able to answer more questions as we get closer to it, but it seems to be more questions just uh, continuously pop up. And, you know, with Matthews moving now away from the Eagles, it gives a, an opportunity to Nelson Aguilar, somebody who maybe three or four weeks ago there wasn't too much talk about, but in the last uh, kind of week, week and a half, and I was kind of putting it down to pr- probably being more uh, camp speak than anything, but uh, Aguilar has had uh, many, many glowing reports, although he didn't have... Uh, a brilliant game in preseason uh, in week one, but are you buying into the Aguilar hype? And then obviously Jordan Matthews been traded probably gives uh, you know some more uh, truth to those rumors. I am not whatsoever. I would <laughs> love to be proven wrong because I liked him coming out of USC. I thought he had talent. I thought he would have excelled in that you know Chip Kelly scheme in year one. But man, he really just just everything was awful in the NFL. He couldn't get off press. He couldn't catch the ball. He just looked like he was lost for two straight seasons now. So maybe a switch got flipped, but it would have to be a big flip because he was, I mean, he created out as like our worst or second worst each of his last two seasons receiver in the NFL, which is just, I mean, he was just very, very bad. Yeah, being the worst receiver in the NFL is never a good uh, <laughs> a good thing to have on your resume. But, but we'll see how it goes. Uh, I know myself included, a lot of people liked him uh, coming out of college. So we'll see what he does uh, this season, if he, if he can live up to the hype. Uh, going on to some injury news now, and I guess uh, there is a lot of it now in the last two or three weeks. Uh, Devontae Freeman of the Falcons suffered a head injury in Sunday's practice and has been ruled out of the team's upcoming uh, preseason game with a concussion. Uh, Colts tight end Eric Swoop, who I know there's been a lot of kind of sleeper 
we're talking about uh, underwent knee surgery and is considered week to week uh, Broncos rookie uh, Carlos Henderson the wide receiver player who I like quite a bit uh, underwent surgery in his thumb and is out indefinitely that's expected to be kind of a, a three or four week injury the Chargers now expect Mike Williams uh, to make his NFL debut in October so you know there's been lots of stuff going around about Mike Williams and what wh- how his back is and was he going to have season in surgery and you know it's all around but just I'm going to there's a lot of injury news so I'm going to break it down into sections but out of those Mike that I've mentioned so far is there any of those that stand out to you as uh, you know must take note of uh, or you, is it just uh, wait and see what happens I suppose the, the concussion to, to Freeman's obviously a concern I'll focus on the positive one I, the Mike Williams one I'm excited to to hear that he's actually going to be playing this year that it's not a season ending injury because you hate when a guy misses a whole season I think that's you know the worst way to start I mean obviously it's the worst way to start your career but it kind of puts you as that second year then becomes your rookie year and you still have to learn on the fly so even getting some playing time is huge for him I thought he was a perfect perfect fit for that offense when they drafted him and I think that the Chargers just they have the pieces to be a playoff team this year uh, if they can just stay healthy for once in the you know in the past decade it seems like so uh, that that to me is the most interesting one because I, I thought he could come in and be you know I think that could be a very high powered you know top five type scoring offense if everyone's at full strength if that offensive line gels and comes together so him being back in October would be that'd be big for them yeah and it's been really tough for uh, early receivers taking on the first round NFL drafts over the last two or three years obviously we mentioned Mike Williams and then there's Kevin White Rashad Perryman then last year Dotson and Treadwell as well uh, is there any reason you know do you think maybe the, the draft process and all the training that's going into that maybe is affecting these players and maybe muscle imbalances after those processes or is it just uh, just you know coincidence that all these players are getting hurt as they come out as wide receivers early in their career yeah, it's probably just randomness. I, I mean, there's a lot that, you know, come in like Odell Beckham. I guess he missed four games as well as rookie year, but come in and, and just light it up right away. So it, it probably just, I'm, I chalk it up to randomness. If it keeps happening, maybe a few for a few more years down the road, we can uh, start looking at trends, see what, what the heck's going on. But yeah, I'd, I'd probably just chalk it up to random occurrence at this point. Yeah, it seems to be. Uh, Doug, I'm going to let you go back. I know Eric Swoop, somebody you've talked about a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but any of that there news, uh, those first couple of players uh, interest you this week? Yeah, I'm going to go with Mike here. I think that the biggest news is that, you know, if Mike Williams is able to come back in the season, especially if it's in October, that means he would miss probably maybe four or five games at the most. Um, you know, if he can come back and sort of, you know, set a mark and, and sort of, um, you know, be involved early on. I, I think that it just adds another dimension that this team needs. And, and and the biggest question mark beyond that will be, you know, how long if all season can can Keenan Allen stay healthy? Because I think if if they have a if they have a team that that has guys like uh, you know, Allen and, and Williams on the outside, Tyrell who can also play on the outside and inside. Um, and you have you know Gates who's a, a red zone presence and and Hunter Henry and then also Melvin Gordon who really broke out last year. I agree completely. I actually have the chargers you know going over 500 this season so i think that if mike williams is able to play and everybody does what they're supposed to then yeah this team could definitely be a playoff contender i think um but if if i had to choose somebody else i I would say eric swoop and the only reason i say that is because i think that these other injuries like carlos henderson was a number three wide receiver on probably a team that's not going to be that dangerous on offense um and he'd be buried behind Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius anyway. So I didn't think he was going to make much of an impact, despite how much I like his game. Um, and Freeman, I, I expect to be fine. Uh, obviously, it's a concussion, so you never know. But 
you know, with how much time and how patient they can be with him, I think he'll be ready for week one, if not before then. So Eric Swoop, I think, is the guy that I'm going to focus on besides Williams, just because we've seen it in years past where we expect some sort, you know, and this actually is second offseason in a row, that the Colts have given a big contract to a tight end. They gave it to Dwayne Allen last year, and they overpaid for him. And we all thought, okay, now they're really serious about him. And then he got, uh, does nothing, and Jack Doyle breaks out. So I, I really do wonder, and granted, I think Jack Doyle is, is highly underrated, but we've seen it before, even with Kobe Fleener in um, Dwayne Allen. You know, Dwayne Allen has phased out at times. And then I just wonder if, if, if there's going to be that number two tight end that really breaks out. And Swoop could be that guy. Um, you know, I'm not saying he's going to put up what Jack Doyle did, but – I think he's the guy who's another solid option behind a rather underwhelming receiving core overall. Phil Dorsett's done nothing really uh, to stand out after being a first-round pick. Dante Moncrief, um, you know, he hasn't really I, – I don't think he's lived up to the expectations. And T.Y. Hilton, is, you know, has done really well. But um, besides him, I, I just think that they're going to need somebody else. And I wonder if Eric Swoop gets a bigger role this year. So I think, you know, his injury, you know, will probably take him – into the the regular season, not starting um, week one, but um, I, I think his injury could be definitely costly as the season goes on, especially if he doesn't come back right away. Because I think he could have a real role in this offense, assuming everything else goes well, which is a, a big F. Uh, moving on then to, to some more injury news, uh, going to Jacksonville, the Jaguars had two injuries this week. Uh, their running back taken in the draft in the first round this year, Leonard Fournette, suffered a foot injury and has been ruled out for the team's second preseason game this week. So we'll see how uh, careful they take with him as he uh, progresses through that injury. Uh, and then, of course, uh, wide receiver Marquise Lee uh, suffered an injury to his lower leg. And it looked like it was going to be a very, very bad injury. Uh, possibly there was talk on Twitter of you know possible a, a leg break, but it seems to be that it is a high ankle sprain, but he's likely to miss four to six weeks. So that puts his kind of week one uh, status in doubt there. Uh, moving on to another wide receiver then you've Rashid Perryman who I mentioned earlier in his injury history he has a grade 2 hamstring strain and that's usually an injury that keeps somebody out for around the 4 week mark so he's already missed 2 weeks so we'll see how he progresses in that he just can't seem uh, to stay healthy early in his NFL career and then the last piece of injury news I'm going to hit on here is uh, Eagles uh, Ryan Matthews while he has been cleared uh, medically cleared from uh, his neck injury he has been released by the team and this was a move that was expected to happen it saves the Eagles four million dollars against the cap so he is healthy now and uh, he should probably latch on somewhere in the next couple of weeks and uh, if certainly not pre-week one uh, during the season when injuries do crop up to the run back position expecting to be picked up again Michael go to you first uh, out of those pieces of news any of those uh, stand out yeah, the Leonard Fournette one actually stands out to me because I thought he was a guy coming out of LSU who needed to sort of adjust to the NFL speed and NFL blocking schemes. I thought he was going to, just because of the way he ran, uh, he ran with such you know speed at the line of scrimmage. He was a guy who attacked uh, the line of scrimmage as hard as possible. He needed to sort of adjust his pacing and his reading uh, to NFL offenses, You know, th- that being able to read blocks, being able to be patient in zone schemes like they're run in Jacksonville, one of the zone heaviest teams in the NFL, you need to be able to uh, have patience, read blocks, you know, the whole Le'Veon Bell stuff. You need to be able to find the open gap. And I thought that's what he struggled with the most at the college level. And blocking only gets worse in the NFL. They only, the holes only get smaller. Uh, you know, the lines all only in your face more. So I thought he needed that sort of adjustment period. And this preseason would be that for him. Came out in week one, didn't look amazing. You know, he said he thought the game was the was faster yeah, in the SEC or whatever. 
but you know, he put up what three point whatever yards per carry. He didn't look that good. So I thought he needed that adjustment period. And if he's not going to get it, if he's going to be out any more preseason games after this one, I don't, I don't love his projection heading into the regular season then. Yeah, you never want to see any of those uh, rookies getting injured and missing time, and uh, obviously that's going to hurt for net this week, and we'll see if he can be back uh, in practice and so on for next week. Doug, any of those standing out to you? Yeah, I think the one thing you want to point out, you know, besides everything that Mike said, which I agree completely with, is, um, you know, rookies need more time to adjust everything, and you usually see them, you know, play a little bit more than the, the average starter, um, which we saw him, he got got quite a few reps in last week. Um, and, I, and I think it's going to be, it would be the same if he was healthy. Um, obviously, you want to see him back on the field, still learning everything, just getting adjusted, like like Mike said. So that's something concerning, just because, you know, with this team, it's it's really it's really hot and cold with their, their offense in general, as we've seen in, in uh, random, you know, Blake Bortles throws and Allen Robinson getting pissed or whatever the case is. Um, but I'll also mention Ryan Matthews just because um, obviously it's good to see because there was some talk about him initially suffering an end-of-season injury or a career-ending injury, I should say, um, and he's medically cleared now, which the Eagles were planning on releasing him if uh, you you know you read the reports when he was cleared so they wouldn't have to settle uh, with an injury uh, with a medical claim. Uh, but I, I really think he could bounce. I, I think not bounce back, but he could really show up on a, on a team and be there of second string guy and and one team i had in mind and maybe this is crazy but i think the chargers could go after him you know obviously a little bit of a reunion after he was drafted out of fresno state but they really are lacking the number two uh, running back right now andre williams is really just not doing well which sucks because i had high hopes for him coming out of bc um but also Bryn oliver while i'm a, a probably a bigger fan of him than than most he's coming off an achilles injury which is always tough especially for running back and they definitely need some insurance that Melvin Gordon ever did deal with an injury. So um, I think he, I think he was banged up at the end of the season, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I, I think he could ba- go there. He could go to, uh, you know, he could go to the Giants maybe, who really just don't have an identity right now at running back. So I think he could be a guy to keep in mind, uh, you know, who could make a mark as a backup and 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 be someone that if if the starter went down, he could be very quickly fantasy relevant especially if he is actually healthy so and uh, Doug kind of touched on uh, depth charts there as he talked about the Giants and the Chargers and their running back situation Mike something that I've noticed a lot uh, in recent years and particularly again it's cropped up over the last two weeks is people talking about depth charts this time of year obviously the people say they're unofficial depth charts or whether they're official ones of the team or what's happening at this time of the year but you do see a lot of talk about who's the second wide receiver who's the second or third running back who's going in for passing downs how much attention do you pay to that uh, we've seen today uh, Bruce Arians talking about the situation at the wide receivers and that uh, Jerron Brown is uh, the second choice wide receiver at the moment or line up as the wide receiver too rather than John Brown but obviously John Brown's been injured for the last two weeks so maybe that's just the situation in camp do you put much stock into what we see or do you just kind of just take it you know week by week and see how it all shakes out come week one I really don't put much stock into depth charts this time of year if it's listing you know rookies as you know the rookie first rounder that they picked as the third guy it's like (laughs) yeah I don't really care that's and everyone says, you know, it's filled out by the PR guy or whatever. But I'm not sure if that's true. But it's still, I don't really pay that much attention to depth charts. What I pay more attention to is, you know, guys playing either different positions or, you know, things like a safety playing at linebacker or, you know, defensive end kicking inside at times or, you know, just guys playing new, lined up in new spots. I think that to me is more interesting than 
uh, you know, where a guy's listed if he's running with the ones or with the twos. That, that, that to me right now, you see it by, you know, the middle of the preseason games, who's going to be their starters and who's not. So it, it doesn't really bother me at this point in time. Yeah, you'll kind of know when it gets to week uh, three and week four mm-hmm. of the preseason and those guys are sitting on the, the bench at the end of the uh, first quarter that them guys are more likely and with the ones. So it's, uh, yeah, no, but I see uh, Twitter blows up every time some sort of piece of news comes up like that. And I always try and temper people who, who listen to the show's expectations of, uh, you know, camp speak, uh, coach speak and things like that there just uh, crawl into it as well uh, looking uh, maybe we'll throw a question in here that uh, came up on twitter uh, two questions actually on twitter that we'll run through as we wrap up the show uh, pre-season uh, obviously is one weekend and uh, people as i mentioned on twitter like to overreact to certain things that happens have you uh, a pre-season week one overreaction that uh, you can uh, say is uh, you're going to use as your overreaction that you think is going to last the entire season or just something that you've seen that people are blowing out of all proportions in your opinion uh, there's nothing I really saw that got blown out, but I will say my my week one overreaction was Jared Goff looked to me like the guy I thought I would see uh, last coming year. out last year. Yeah. It just in terms of poise, it just looked like a completely different guy. Now I, it's one week of the preseason. He played what a series, maybe two. I think it was two series. Didn't maybe threw ten passes. It, it was not a lot, but just poise wise, I think that matters. The comfort level matters, I, and I think we'll see. At least, uh, you know, we'll see a, get, get a bit, much better gauge of who Jerry Goff is this year than what we saw last year because last year was just a nightmare. Yeah, it was. It really, <laughs> it really was a nightmare. Uh, Doug, have you any overreactions, or do you want to make an overreaction that uh, we can all criticize? <laughs> well, um, I guess if there's one that you can criticize, I have another one in mind. But um, I really am a big fan of Austin Carr uh, coming out of Northwestern, um, and I actually wrote a piece earlier. Uh, actually, came out yesterday. Um, on, on me just really looking at his chances of making the Patriots roster, which I don't necessarily think are strong, but I still think he has a chance. Uh, but he really did have an impressive week one, along with Jacob Hollister, another undrafted free agent out of Wyoming. Um, and I think those are two guys that really are competing for roles on this team, especially Hollister with that third uh, tight end, which may not be fantasy relevant, but I, I think it is definitely something that uh, is up for consideration. In regards to just overall overreactions, I'll probably mention the whole Mitchell Trubisky. Um, no, that was mine, but go ahead. You can take it. <laughs> my, my, yeah, so, I mean, so I, I guess more so my overreaction is not so much how Trubisky did because, yeah, he's a rookie. You know, he played against, like, mostly second and third team players, and he, and he had a he had a good showing. He did, but it doesn't mean that everybody's already like, oh, let's start him, let's start him. They're not, that's not going to happen. That, that's not going to happen. And granted, we said that years ago with Jacksonville and, and Blake Bortles, but I really don't think it's going to happen. They brought in Glennon to sort of be that bridge guy for at least a year um, and, and sort of see what happens from there. But it's sort of Mike Glennon, you know, first pass he throws, it's a pick six. Yeah, it's a it's not a good omen. But again, Mike Glennon a year ago was one of the more sought, you know, at least in regards to rumors. He was pretty sought after as, as a backup. You know, some teams were talking about trading for him, like, like we see with A.J. McCarron this year. I, I don't think Glennon's going to be that bad. But I'm not saying he's going to be good either. I think he'll be about average. And, and people are already throwing up in arms how he throws a, a, a pick six on his first pass uh, in a Bears uniform, which I don't think is going to be reminiscent of his performance all season. But I, I, I think this is people are already getting crazy over one preseason game, which is, is par for the course, really, when you think about it. 
Yeah, that wasn't actually. I thought you were going to go into the one I was going to take. That wasn't at mine. Was when you mentioned Mitch Trubisky, I thought you were going to say it. But with the, all the rookies that have gone in the first round of the draft this year, I've heard in a few uh, different lines, whether it was Twitter, whether it was other podcasts, that people are talking about oh, what a what a draft class. Uh, you know, after you know a couple of series of the preseason, how good these guys look and. You know, we've seen a lot of players look good in the preseason and then uh, never do anything when it comes to the regular season. So I think, you know, after after uh, 15 minutes action, let's uh, all calm down and stop uh, making sure that this draft class is uh, all heading to the Hall of Fame. That will be mine. Uh, last thing, and it's another question on Twitter, Doug mentioned uh, with Henderson earlier the situation with the Broncos. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of both their wide receivers. Uh, the quarterback situation, though, is very, very muddy at the moment. And Paxton Lynch didn't really look uh, too impressive this week. The Broncos quarterback job, Mike, uh, who do you think ends up uh, coming out on top for the uh, Broncos uh, starting week one? I think it just has to be Paxton Lynch. I, I don't think you take him in the first round a season ago. And Do you think Lynch is the, is the better quarterback? That So that's the hundred, you know, that's the million dollar question. And it's, I have no clue. I, I don't think either are good is the thing. The fact that it's a competition <laughs> right now, between Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch sort of tells me that Lynch has not really improved because if Lynch looked anywhere near better than Trevor Simeon at this point, they would be naming him the starter. You know, you would be trying to pump up his confidence at this point because of, you know, the fact that he looked so uh, out of place as a rookie, he just looked so uh, behind the NFL game. He just did not look ready whatsoever. And so Neither the thing is neither did Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon did not look like an NFL quarterback. He didn't have good accuracy down the field. He was, you know, making a lot of just terrible decisions with the football that looked like he was just basically predetermined from the look he saw pre-snap to throw to. It was just a lot of bad in Trevor Simeon's game. But it, you know, for a seventh rounder, it was all right. But for a guy who should be leading a franchise, it wasn't good whatsoever. So. If it's really is still a competition, that's kind of telling me that Trevor Simeon's probably the guy who's looking better at this point, which is very, very worrisome for Broncos. Yeah, and you mentioned you know the, the draft stock for both quarterbacks. I think the expectation's a lot lower for Simeon of what he's expected to do, and I think that's maybe why people think that he's doing a better job than he is. Uh, but it is very, very worrying for Lynch. Obviously, came out uh, in the late first round last year, so uh, we'll see what happens. I think if you're looking to see what you have in Lynch, you really do have to uh, give him the opportunity this year but it's it's not a good sign at this moment in time uh, obviously mike uh, it's been brilliant having you on the show and uh, it's been a week later than expected but uh, I'm, I'm really delighted we did get to do it mike uh, can be followed on twitter and you should be following him already but he is at pff underscore mike and uh, mike with the uh, pro football focus or with the podcast have you anything that you want to give a, a plug to as we wrap up the show here yeah check uh, me out i host the pff podcast it's on itunes you can search pff podcast and then uh, we're doing offers where if you leave us five star reviews, you get uh, your chance to win uh, our one of our subscriptions. We got the new the signature stats are back in our PFF Elite subscription. It's a two hundred dollar value. If you leave a five star review though on our podcast, you get a chance to win it for free. So uh, go ahead and check those out. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. And uh, obviously, I'm sure the listeners, if you're listening to this and you don't know what Pro Football Focus is, uh, go on Google and then uh, just uh, check what you're doing with <laughs> your spare time because you really should be on top of all the great stuff that uh, Pro Football Focus have got going on over there. Uh, obviously, Doug is on Twitter at DMoreNFL. Uh, he mentioned uh, he had a piece come out yesterday. So, Doug, you've already plugged that. Is there anything else to uh, plug? Doug is subtly slipping in uh, his stuff that he had coming out this week. <laughs> Well, I got to do what I got to do, right? Free press. Um, but, um, yeah, the, the only other thing I would mention is, um, well, I guess a couple things. Yeah, so we had a new episode of, um, you know, the locker room guys last week. 
speak with myself, Lee Schechter, and uh, we actually had the guys from the Naked Bootleg Podcast, which is another Patriots one, um, Adam Kirshen and uh, Evan Lazar. Um, so they were both on. We had a, a nice roundtable discussion. So be sure to check that out on iTunes. Um, and I and, uh, the news came out last night, but I did um, recently take up a, call, a, a contributor role with um, the Lead Sports, which is um, a very much up-and-coming uh, site. Um, you should take a look at them. And I uh, produced my first piece with them, uh, really talking about some 10 predictions for the season. Um, some of them are bolder than others, um, so definitely check that out that out on um, their website which is the leadsports.com and and make sure you check them out on twitter as well but um yeah lots going on actually and, and we're hoping to have a another uh locker room guys podcast this weekend um especially with game two on saturday so um we'll, we'll definitely hopefully be, be doing something like that but yeah yeah lots going on right now obviously and check out um overtime ireland too I guess. oh yeah make sure you check out overtime ireland and <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously follow them on Twitter uh, at Overtime Ireland as well. But uh, myself as well. Usually, I don't have anything to plug at the end. But uh, I mentioned on the last few shows with the Rotoviz work that I've been doing uh, with the the RV32 covering all the 32 teams uh, doing previews with the beat writers around the NFL. That is coming to a close this week. We have. Uh, I think we have three episodes left of posts, so we have 29 already up there. There is a master list on the rotaviz.com website, and uh, I'm going to be taking on a little bit of a larger role for rotaviz as well, but Overtime Ireland will be rolling on throughout the season, uh, hopefully as it is in this current format. So lots of exciting stuff going on here with myself and Doug, and uh, I really, as I mentioned already, appreciate Mike having the time to talk to us, and obviously he's uh, taking the time to listen to all our uh, shameless plug-in as we end the show as well. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. Follow Doug at NFL and myself as well of course at Overtime Ireland so until we're back next week with another show of course have a good one thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word this has been an Overtime Ireland production 